Welcome everyone to the Spacebar Podcast, episode number 19. Um, I hope you're all well. I'm P. Robert Shaw, and on this week's episode, we're revisiting a subject we actually covered off not so long ago on Spacebar, which is the world of payments. Um, on this episode, though, we're talking a slightly different look at it, or take, taking a slightly different look at payments, and kind of asking the question, when do payments become this complicated? Um, and to answer the question, I'm joined by two of the biggest kind of tech companies in this space. Uh, firstly, I'm pleased to welcome Moish Wangon, who's the Senior Vice President of Commercial at Checkout.com. Checkout.com are a global payment gateway and acquirer, um, kind of really focused on connected payments, really like allowing merchants to offer kind of multiple payment methods, like localize their own region, kind of really in a tie up that sort of payment journey. Um, I'm also joined by Rob Beatty, who's the commercial manager for UK partnerships at Klarna. I don't think Klarna probably need an introduction, but if you haven't come across them before, um, where have you been? Have you ever shopped online before? Um, but Klarna basically offer kind of customers a really simple and hassle-free way to kind of spread the payment of orders over kind of a few months, interest stream, hazing to add. If you've not tried out Klarna before as a customer, it is really easy. As Rob will tell you, I have not used Klarna until recently. I'm now a convert. So if you haven't checked that out already, make sure you sign up for a Klarna account and, and make sure you start spending money with them because it is really, really easy and convenient. Maybe too convenient. I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, welcome to both of you. Um, it's uh, great to have you on. Thanks, Pete. Thank great to be much. here. Yeah, lovely to see it. I hope I got your intros right. Uh, I hope I, could, right. I tried to be a mini salesman for you both. Hopefully they've kind of come oh, up. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. So before we start getting into the, the great content, we're going to start with some kind of getting to know you questions, really. Uh, so these are kind of like a couple of quick fire questions that you guys uh, know in no way prep for. Um, it's just me talking <laughs> some random things at you. So I want to get your first kind of answer that come into your head. I'm going to start with you first, Rob. Um, again, first, first three easy, don't worry. Um, <laughs> give me, give, name me a film you've watched over 10 times. A film I've watched over ten times. Do you know what? I'm not. I'm not a huge film person, but one that I've gone back to time and time again is The Green Mile. Absolutely love that film. Very good, but it's a bit depressing. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what that says about me. It's a little bit sad. It is a bit sad, but I've I've watched I've watched that a lot. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I'll take that one. <laughs> um, what's your go-to music for a summer afternoon outside in the garden? Oh, for me, it's got to be a bit of disco. Bit of disco, funk, soul, that sort of vibe. Um, yeah, absolutely okay. love it. Absolutely love it. I was inspired by that question from over the weekend. Just thinking, what should I put on the radio? I want to see what you were putting on. Obviously, it's beautiful. for anyone that's not in the UK, it's beautiful weather in the UK. Very rarely we get the nice weather, so everyone's out in the back garden. Make, make the most of it. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Okay, simple one. This one, sweet or savoury? It's not simple. I'm a buy a lot of food. Uh, I would, I'd have to, go, I'd have to go sweet if I, if I had to make a choice between the two, it'd be sweet. Okay. And the last one, I may know the answer to this already, but I'm going to ask you a, a hidden talent. Not many people know you have. I used to play a lot of guitar as a kid. Actually, used to play a band. Used to play guitar as a band. Uh, guitar as a band. Used to play guitar in a band growing up in Dubai. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, haven't haven't played for a while, but I, I used I used to play used to play loads as a kid. What was the name of the band? More importantly, Dazed and Confused. Obviously, it's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. That's the end of your questions. Thank you. Hopefully, that was fairly easy, straightforward. Uh, Motion. You've got the really tough ones here. Um, no, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> what <laughs> What was the last podcast you listened to or book you read? Pick one or the other. Oh, um, God. I'm going to go with uh, probably book. It would have been like the last Jack Reacher book that came out, a whole Lee Child series. A little bit of fiction. I enjoyed that. Jack Reacher fan. Yeah. 
I'm disappointed you didn't say the last podcast since it was this one in preparation for tonight. <laughs> but um, maybe you read the book after you. That was that was if I, if I was going to do podcast, that was obviously my answer. Yeah, I was, got, got got first, yeah. I was ready for my film. That's why I thought you were going to ask. <laughs> no, you get different questions. Sorry, oh. different questions. Sorry. Um, the last place you went on holiday. Can you remember well, the time? You I did. Holiday? Well, that was the thing. We went. Me and the wife went to South Africa Saturday night. God, I can't remember what it was. March. And then we landed in South Africa in Cape Town on Sunday when they announced they were going to stop foreigners wow. coming in. And then I think on Monday, the schools went into lockdown in the UK and we had some kids back here. So we were, <laughs> we kind of spent three, we only spent a week there, but we spent, I think, after about two, three days of just panicking. We tried to find any way back home just to get oh, back because yeah. we were worried about getting locked there. But hey ho, maybe we shouldn't have gone. But it was, uh, it was nice to see South Africa for a little bit for, for three days. Nice, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Holiday, I suppose. Well, my fingers are crossed for the, the the summer now. I've got a holiday booked. I'm now thinking, you know, am I going to get out there before they before they block the Brits? So don't curse it. I'm, gonna, I'm thinking <laughs> going earlier just to make sure. <laughs> um, okay, uh, next one: um, cycle, run, or swim? Run. Run. Yeah. Fair enough. Even in this weather. Even it's yeah, just... nah, I'm just going to fall off a bike. Oh, yeah, a little bit clumsy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last one is um, your favorite restaurant or style of food you'd have when you eat out? Anything raw. Big into like the carpaccios, the ceviches. Oh, the, okay. Yeah, anything raw food. I'm, I'm like gone, in, gone into that like paleo. Nice. Yeah, nice. it's really good, yeah, especially in the summer, right? In the summer now, you want something light, fresh, yeah. a little bit of uh, acid on it. It's good. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say exotic. We normally get like Indian or whatever Chinese, so that's a uh, yeah, like it a bit of class. Um, maybe it's the time of the year. I don't know. Maybe maybe in the winter you would have said Indian. I don't know. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. That was good. Just again, hope you're a bit settled in now. Um, from the kind of like ridiculous to the kind of really serious, not, not serious subject, but the talk of payments. Um, payments can be fun, right? That's what Klarna's all about. Oh, yeah. Makes fun payments fun. Um, so we discussed some payments in commerce again. Um, again, not just digital commerce, but in guessing retail in general. Um, and like I mentioned at the start, kind of the subject was kind of what is like when the payments get kind of complicated. And like what point in time do we move from having like standard credit and debit card payments and even check payments? Remember checks, right? Remember check payments, what those things are? Yeah, bits of paper. Um, it's kind of the wealth of options we've got now. So uh, customers have got a lot of choice now. What, what I want to get to, I guess, first question is, and I guess Moish will come to you first on this. What do you think kind of triggered that shift from, you know, again, the traditional kind of payments in store to kind of like where we are now? What, what, what's kind of, where, where have we got to? How have we got to this point? Well, it, it's um, it's uh, technology and consumers, right? So if you think about it, the, the journey has been really, really, really interesting uh, in the last 20 years. So you had the dot-com kind of, you know, bubble burst. And then and then the internet slowly kind of took off. And then e-commerce, that was the birth of e-commerce, right? Till then, shopping was pretty simple. Payments were pretty simple. You went to a shop. You kind of you swiped your card. I mean, it doesn't need sophisticated that that sophisticated full fraud tools because you had the physical card. You've got chip and pin, right? Um, so you know, very few kind of these soft declines that you get. You know, where where the where when you're online, you know, there's a lot more science behind trying to make sure it's not a fraudulent transaction because you don't know if it's a physical card. So, you know, that was pretty straightforward. You know, even the connectivity and uptime, if it went down, you know what, you're in the store, you're going to nip next door to the cash team and pay cash, or they're going to take out the zip zap machine, right? So, so re right, retailers are pretty, pretty relaxed about it. They didn't need so much data from like auth rates or decline rates because you know, you're in the store that it was, it was, it was relatively simple. And then you, you know, as everyone went online, you know, 
some of the players came there they kind of built stuff on to, on you know built gateways on top of their traditional acquiring platforms and those those platforms that weren't built to support the complexities that needed in the modern world and then you got then you got apps right when think about it, when was the first time you start you were shopping with an app it's less than 10 years ago i would mm. i would i would hazard yeah right less yeah, than 10 years ago it's you know and that's when all the hidden payments and 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 tokenization when did that, that hit about five years ago less than five years ago right apple pay you know and uh, kind of apple did this thing with visa and they came out with these tokens uh you know so it's it's um but it's it's all about the payments have got complicated because you know, the the environments in which people have shop have got more and more sophisticated and you know uh, for players trying to kind of work in those environments, it's been a struggle. They've just built stuff on top of other stuff on top of other stuff, and servicing them is 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 being a challenge. Um, and then, right now, you're in e-commerce, you're on apps, you're you're on the internet, right? It's globalization, right? So then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I'm I'm selling stuff for for customers all over the world, and there's there's what people people don't pay with card in germany that's odd yeah <laughs> what's this funny brand in france called uh cop on care or cop blur like you know especially for the uk so it was all you know they realized that you need other stuff right you know visa and mastercard have been drilling this message in from the 80s you know you can go anywhere with barclay card boff right from with ron atkinson um and and then when you move into the online world you know Again, to serve this weird change in consumer behavior, each market's developed their own thing that, that work online, right? So, um, uh, and again, so you need more choice for different localities uh, and things. And then, right on top of the behavior, then it, then it's the demographics. You've had the, the economics um, with with two thousand and eight, uh, and you know uh, the, the crashes, and and um, now with obviously the pandemic, and you know people's uh, behavior and and gen x or gen z's uh on gen y's behavior towards finance and how they manage their money and that leads into kind of the birth of the whole buy now pay later klana you know the stuff which kind of you know, grew out of, of australia as well um so so all these things but they they get to kind of um mix very fast on the internet and also they can get adopted much faster right that you know the bmpls are now trying to get into the physical space but it's much harder to get the physical physical stuff in in place um so uh yeah i think the tech the platforms the environments the ecosystems and where consumers are now enjoying to shop uh have driven the need for payments to get super complicated but it, it's fun right and it helps us innovate and, and do cool things like Clara. Yeah, Rob, I guess, Chris, coming to you, obviously, representative of Klarna here today. Obviously, you guys have, I guess, really benefited from, uh, you know, the business exists basically because of this kind of change in demand and the shift in tech. Um, when, at what point in time did you kind of start to see things changing? Like, you've been at Klarna for a little while, but as a, as, a, as a consumer yourself, like, can you remember, like, can you remember back to the time of just credit debit card payments? What, what, what was the kind of trigger yeah, point that you yeah, I mean, I, to I, kind of switch? Yeah, I can definitely remember back to it just being pretty much debit, credit, or cash. Have either of you used cash recently? That's a thing that feels like a, a distant, a distant memory now as well, right? But um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, the extinction of of cash is, I mean, that's largely down to to, to the pandemic, isn't it? And, and and probably something that was already happening, but I, I think the last eighteen months has has accelerated that. Um, I think what what's interesting from a consumer's perspective, it's really easy to pay with anything. Like it doesn't feel that complex as a consumer. But as a retailer, I mean, I, yeah, I don't envy being a retailer at the moment. You've got so much choice. And then, as as Mush said, you know, when you're looking at each of the different markets and um, the changes in in sort of behaviours and, and and offerings, there, it's um, yeah, it's 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 just an, an absolute minefield. But personally, I feel like the last probably five years or so has has, has probably seen 
the quickest and um you know most change i would i would say yeah yeah you mentioned that about like the merchants like they've got a multitude of options now yeah like i guess how many too many like i wish you used i don't know if you guys have ever been on the jd sports website but i would use their check as checkout example they've got i counted today they've got 10 different payment options at the checkout like what's the drive between all these options surely you can lot, give yeah. customers too much choice you can i mean i, I guess that their argument would probably i mean I don't know this, but I'd imagine their argument is is going to be it, it purely does come down to consumer choice, right? And what's what's you know what 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 the consumers want to use. But um, yeah, it's uh, I don't feel like there are too many too many sites in the UK who would have that many that that many sort of payment payment methods or providers in places like Australia, for example. It's it's the other way around. Like loads of sites will have you know probably up to up to 10 payment methods but um yeah it's uh it's it's an interesting one i i, I guess you got to look at each payment provider and, and look at what they can bring you know i was gonna say from like from from checkout perspective as a payment service provider we've got to have all the choice mm. because our retailers want to you know even a uk-based retailer if they're selling in multiple markets they're going to want the methods for that market so they can be selective of what you mm. know which customers or which you know of the of the you know, iterations of their url they show it on um so you know we have to you know, kind of offer all those methods but kind of in a domestic market like the uk how many methods you add you have paypal as well as klarna and then a few more you know <laughs> different buy now pay laters and, mm. uh, and 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 you know you also got debit credit amex discover you know all these things um there, there was a rule kind of like where you kind of give too much and it kind of uh you know i think confuses the customers um and there is a school of thought like that but i was on a round table the other day um with a relatively large uh retailer they've got kind of a, a good a good physical footprint but then kind of obviously pandemic pandemics pushed them online and their kind of head of payments were saying you know what they had this debate internally and then they just thought you know what, let's try it and they put on you know um multiple you know multiple payment options there so domestic in the uk and i think they ended up having about 10 and his view was they only just saw an uplift right at the end of the day you've got you've got consumers you know um it's choice it's whether it's what they want to it's what they want to do you know they're a customer they've got a clan or account or they've got a i don't know one of the other ones account zips right um yeah, that's what they're used to, to, to doing and they, they're, they're going to do that um i think we we did it we had a retail study like recently i think we, we did it we I think we interviewed about 10,000 10, consumers about 500 merchants um i think it was about 60 percent of consumers said they would kind of drop off if they didn't have their preferred payment method mm-hmm. uh, on there. So, um, yeah, I, I think that there, there has historically been the school of thought that you know too much choice is confusing, um, but it tends to be evidence, or at least the anecdotal stuff we're getting is, hey, you know, more choice, it lets customers pay how they want, and ultimately they saw an uplift. Yeah, interesting. I, whenever I look at that, I always use that JD example, but just because I'm in the kind of the, the commerce experience side of, of, of your UX kind of thing, we look at that a lot. And I'm just thinking, hmm. the user perspective, like it just it just looks like for the general consumer, they, I, I've always believed, you know, some basic up the credit debit card payment. This is just me. This is not based on any fact whatsoever, but as yeah. a consumer, credit debit card payment, if PayPal's there, I might use it. Klarna now as well. I'm pretty much done at those. Like Amazon Pay was a thing a while ago. It seems yep. to have kind of maybe died a little bit of a death. Again, mm-hmm. there I may use it, but like for me, I just from but again looking at it from an agency side of things, looking at what we can sort of customers with with you know great user experience. Like ten just seems like way too much. It's like you've got to scroll the page just to kind of get to like the buy button at the end. Like it's really too much. But you know, wait till you get open banking as well, right? Then it's mm-hmm. going to add a bunch more buttons on the page. 
Well, yeah, it's well, I get to talk about open banking. I, I was going to kind of ask you about that. I guess we've, we've talked about some of the kind of the different payment options, like we talked about Klarna there as, a, as, a, as an example. But I, I was going to say, why, like, why is bank transfer never really taken off? It's obviously in the UK, we, I mean, I pay my friends by bank transfer all the time, and you know, it's it's you know, part of my banking. And you know, we've all got online banking where there's a big rise in open banking, like TrueLayer, Ting, Played. But why aren't retailers currently offering bank transfer as an option? Because I know the tech exists to do it, right? What, what What's not been the uptake so far? So open banking is really interesting. Um, in theory, there's a strong driver for, for, for merchants, as in there's an instant settlement, relatively, right? And um, in theory, there, there should no, like, there's no cost. Whatever the provider you wants see. to charge them, there's no, there's no interchange fees that you find with cards. So the, the provider could charge them a flat fee if they wanted. Right? Obviously, it depends how, <laughs> how much money they want to make. The, the key chat, I mean, there's a few key challenges, though. Um, number one, from a merchant perspective, it's refunds. Right. Mm. So, yeah, whatever customer returns something, how do you get them the money back capturing those card details? Um, now, there are a few of the providers out there who've kind of got some methods and they kind of store those details, create a wallet, and but then they charge for it. And some of those charges and pricing then kind of doesn't make it that much more you know, compelling versus traditional card payments. So, so the economics tends to then get get squeezed because, hey, these companies have to develop, you know, uh, proprietary tech to solve that. So so basic things are refunds. Um, there's there, there are issues on um, then the issues kind of are on consumer protection, right? What about chargebacks? You know, customers mm-hmm. section 75, right? If I buy something on credit card, I'm not protected. Um, so you know, all those rule books and, and kind of responsibilities haven't really been written um so so from a consumer perspective why why should i pay with this method which is a zero benefit to me as a consumer yeah. uh and then and then and then you've got but then i think we haven't even got there then i think you've got then um ux uh, experience right each bank's developed their own one so the ux experience is is kind of varies depending who i bank with and then it's um and it can be uh relatively you know, poor with some of them and it's still not working 100%. So do you, as a merchant, do you want to put an option, payment option on there, which could actually you know, kind of uh, fail for some of your customers uh, and horrible just because it might say, like, it might save you some money, might not, again, if you've got this more expensive option to do refunds because you need that, um, uh, just because you can get settled a bit quicker. I, I don't know. And and I think reputationally, it, it will get better, right? The banks are going to do some stuff, right? Mm. But I think reputationally, um, when you've got, let's say, an EU merchant, Right, so Pete, you go to the site and you buy something from them. You don't know they happen to have an EU bank account, and imagine it triggers an open banking message from from your Barclays bank account to this shop's bank account. Right? How much does your bank charge you for a separate mm-hmm. payment? <laughs> charge you twenty quid. Imagine you, you logged <laughs> in tomorrow and found out you were charged twenty quid to make the payment. Right? If it's domestic in the UK, that's fine. But if it ends up being cross border, yeah. so I I foresee. I haven't heard this directly, but I foresee scenarios where they're going to be merchants using open banking, and and then consumers are going to see, hang on, but their account was 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 kind of in in France, and now I got I'm paying more. So um, th- there's a long road to go. I think they'll get there. There's certain industries where it makes sense, um, the economics, where there's not so many refunds, potentially stockbroking or loading your Monzo account. Some of those, there's got a little bit of benefit. Um, but um, yeah, it'll take it a bit more time still. Yeah, I, I just, again, obviously I've got, I'm with a Monzo, I've got a Starling account, I've got all these different kind of open banking accounts. I just wonder why it's not popped up yet. But I think given the fact there's so many other options out there, probably don't necessarily need it. Um, I, I, Rob, I mean, like at Klarna, do you guys... 
like th- talk about other pirate options? Are you just concentrate on what you're doing? Do you worry about what's coming out? Need it's new, not even necessarily like a, a direct competitor to what you guys mm-hmm. do, but the, does, is the conversation on Cloud about other areas you guys can move into? I know you don't want to give us a roadmap away or any big secrets away, but yeah. are you keeping an eye on things and looking at alternative options of what works? Yeah, I mean, in in, in terms of the, the sort of bank transfer and and that side of things, obviously in in Germany we we acquired Sofa back in. 2014 and and it's interesting because in the uk it hasn't it hasn't really become a thing here but actually in markets like germany and belgium and austria and the netherlands for example bank transfers is you know is 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 the way that a lot of people pay so yeah i've, I've no idea why it hasn't taken off here yet but it's certainly something that is part of our offering but again it comes down to that um sort of regional mix and um, you know the the consumer behaviors and and sort of preferences in in those regions but i'm sure it's something we'll we'll see more of certainly in in, in the uk um over time yeah is that something that Klarna would look to sorry with with, with, with that's something that Klarna would look to potentially pioneer in the uk is that somewhere Klarna would like would stand out and say that we know this works in germany's other markets i know the culture's different but it's something that Klarna would say like you know we we, we want to start i mean you guys were kind of revolutionized or kind of brought in the kind of like the split payments game there was other providers but you guys kind of like took the market by storm really is is again without giving your Klarna's roadmap way too much is that something you think that Klarna want to do like again stand out and you know give these give you more options to customers potentially i mean for, for, for us at the moment the focus really is is around sort of the wider services that we're offering i would say outside of just being a payment method so it's things like the shopping app um it's thing like things like the media services that we offer so you know affiliate networks that the merchants can become a part of to acquire sort of planner consumers um uh we acquired a, a business sort of mid last year called called shoptail so we have our own like google comparison shopping service so there's a ton of these additional services that we're offering outside just the payment method and i i'd say certainly for the short term that's that's really where the focus is in terms of um you know the product and, and that side of things but i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if over time there's you know there's there's maybe a more consistent offering globally um but yeah i don't know when i don't know when that'll come <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say peters on that like yeah rob's on right in in europe some of the some of the open banking like payments have, have, have kind of been there for a while uh, and some of some way drove it what from my observations the markets it took off in and has been there you know, actually for quite a while five yeah. ten years have been markets with low penetration of the international card schemes Right. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, and then it made sense, right? But, but, you know, it made sense because it was, it's quicker. The UX in those countries is quicker, right? Than, than whatever the, they were doing before. They didn't really have anything when the internet came, right? You know, they, they had very limited, like, so, you know, they're still in Germany, you can do cash on delivery for an internet purchase, which blew my mind when I first heard that, right? Like, <laughs> why would I personally give cash to the delivery driver? It's not like a pizza, but, um, you know, so, so, you know, in those markets, it's either it was born out of solving, um, you know, online shopping because they had nothing else because uh, they didn't have international card schemes or it was, you know, you know, the schemes that they have were not as slick as open banking, which is a better UX. But, mm-hmm. you know, in markets where like the UK, France, um, Spain, where they really kind of have, have had cards have been around for a long time, you've got this tokenization, one click, you know, Apple Pay, Google Pay are here, all that kind of stuff. Um you know, and and the security of of like section seventy five and all the rules and chargebacks, you know, uh, that, that's um, I think that's why it's taking longer to penetrate in those. As I said, I think it will come, but it, it, where it's really penetrated in markets where the consumers never had those benefits. So, they, mm. hey, let's take this as that. Yeah, it's just as good. 
Okay, cool. Um, Rob, I'm, I'm going to kind of, we've kind of been talking about better Carter there in terms of what you guys are looking at as service wise, mm-hmm. but I kind of want to kind of want to understand some of the trends that you guys are seeing at Carter and kind of this rise of this put up by an pay laser culture. Yeah. It's also become really prominent in, in digital commerce now. Um, although I know make it, it's making its way to physical retail as well, I've seen. Yeah. Um, what, what's kind of going on in this sector and, and like what do you think we can expect to see over the next kind of couple of years in terms of the way this evolves? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, Apple Apple have announced in the last couple of days that they are launching their own sort of installments offering. So I think that you know that that tells you a lot of what you need to know about the you know the the, the, the sort of sector and I guess the growth of buy now pay later as a as a payment method. Um, I think there's a lot of common misconceptions about the market. You know, it's had a lot of um, or the sector should I say it's had a lot of negative press over the last couple of years, but. Um, you know, I think ultimately it's 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 an easy and, and convenient way to pay to shop and to manage your purchases. Um, traditionally, you know, it, it, it was very popular in, in in your sort of fashion and apparel sectors, but with the introduction of things like paying three in the UK and paying four in in, in the US, um, I think you know we've we've started to see huge growth in 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 verticals outside of that. So, and, and I guess the pandemic probably has well definitely would have played a, a part in this but you know sectors like home and garden consumer electronics diy luxury as well um all performing really well which as i say sort of makes sense a because of the price point and and, and b because of what's happened over the the last sort of 18 months or so um in terms of demographics again i think there's a common misconception that it's it's sort of it's broke youngsters who are who are using buy now pay later but it's 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 not the case at all i think we've seen it was the 45 to 54 year old age group who was the sort of fastest growing age segment in in terms of climate spend data over the over the last 18 months the 55 plus um age group was was the fastest growing after that really um yeah so i think the, the average the average age of the of the climate consumer in the uk now is is probably around i think it's around the 33 mark maybe even a bit older actually maybe even 35 so um i think i think that's that's interesting and um as, as I touched on before, you've you've got these wider sort of services and advantages, I guess, of you know of implementing a buy now pay later solution. You know, if if, if you think about Klarna alone, there's there's about 90 million active consumers globally. So for the retailers and brands, there's a huge opportunity for them actually to acquire and to you know to utilizing things like the app, things like the shop directory, our marketing channels, social channels, you know, all this sort of stuff. There's actually a really nice opportunity for them to to acquire, which as we know is 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 probably one of the hardest and most expensive things at the moment, right? With all the um mm-hmm. well just just the sheer volume of, of competition. So yeah, I think that's that's sort of yeah, that's what we're seeing really. Moi Shaw, obviously a partner of Klarna and obviously of the finance side as well, I assume. So what are you, is that similar to what you're seeing? Yeah, no, look, on the demographics, absolutely. Look, Rob's, Rob's at the, the you know, Klarna at the coalface. So, you know, I, 100% we're seeing that. We work closely with them and, and it's great. If I step back and look at the industry in general, though, um, I'd probably say, you know, three things coming to space, right? Consolidation, regulation and aggregation. Um, so it, with any kind of new burgeoning tech, pay, you know, pay tech was huge the last five, six years. And actually, if you look the last three years or before, but like, the, you know, there's been a lot of mergers, you know, buyouts and companies, you know, putting together. There's still a few happening, but there's some huge ones in the last uh, three, three, four years. Um, the the buy now, pay later space is just exploding, right? You've got... Um, um, 
Oh God. So it's, I've seen about four or five different models, firstly, different mm -hmm. ways of doing it. But then, you know, the players and that is huge. You know, I've got, you know, different new ones knocking on my door every day. Um, but, you know, consolidation is happening, right? So you feel, I think, Zip bought, let's say, Twisto in, in kind of Eastern Europe or Vienna, I can't remember where they're based. And then even then Klarna rumored in, in the press, you know, bought some shares in Zip. And so I kind of, oh, Klarna going to buy Zip out of Australia, who had already bought, I can't remember what was it, after, you know, but they bought after, Afterpay in, or QuadPay in, in the yeah, US. Yeah. So there's, there's 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 been a bunch of acquisitions happening in the last year or two and i think we're, we're going to see a lot more a lot more to come so uh definite consolidation in the players uh, which is exciting and you know, i think it also gives global expansion um regulation i think we've, we've seen some of some of that already be talked about some of the reports already in the uk you know i think there's already one or two kind of uh, buying our players regulated in the uk i think there's at least one um uh, but, you know it's you know, you've heard it, seen it in the press in Australia. Um, obviously, when it comes to regulation, that's going to go at its own pace and go country by country, market by market, and kind of EU and what have you. Um, but I think I think it's a little bit inevitable. Um, uh, you know, bad thing, good thing. I don't, I don't know. I think I think it's always good for consumer protection. I think the 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 the, the, the kind of established players, the good players in in that place, you know, will probably welcome it. I'm sure Klarna does as well. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think we've seen regulation do amazing stuff for payments and fintech in Europe. So could could all be good. And then and then last one talk about aggregation. And I think that's really interesting. That there are a couple of them buying our pay pay data space who are kind of call the <laughs> compare the market of of or money supermarket on versions where they kind of plug in. And and kind of you know even some of the the the, the players like Klarna or Zip or, or a firm whatever will, will kind of be on there, um, and they'll have the relationship with the merchants. You can go onto a merchant and have one aggregator, and that might solve your kind of your question about choice, right? So you go in there, and you kind of got them all all at one in one place. So there's players like. Um, charge after or I, I think after um pay for later who now called deco um are doing it so there's a, you know i think that's an interesting space um i can see that you know kind of coming in as well uh, as well so kind of three areas to, to look for in this, in this the um i think the, the the regulatory piece is is um i mean obviously that you know that's coming but as you say very much welcomed and and something we we support i think there's there's a lot of inconsistencies across the market. You've got some players who charge yeah. interest and that's a revenue stream for them or late fees, whereas others who don't. So I think the, the beauty about regulation, if it's done right, is it will bring the market in line and there's a standard across the market, which as you say is, you know, is, is beneficial for, for the consumers. But um yeah, God knows when it when it's going to happen and what it's going to look like. You know, I think the government is working through the, you know, the recommendations and, yeah, I, I guess there'll be um, that'll be fed back then in you know in in, in the next six to twelve months. I'd, I'd expect. It's funny. There's been such a big a big fuss kicked up about the pay later stuff when like people have been paying on credit cards for years, right? Like yeah. why was credit card in theory much different? Yeah, to paying? Yeah. But you basically you're deferring your payment, right? So yeah. I mean, you guys you can't get a lot of and not just you guys specifically, but the pay later gets a lot of spotlight on it. It's yeah, exactly. It's it's it's. You know, I'd say you know, credit cards. We did some research recently, and 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 I think there was something like um, had had the amount that had been spent on buy now pay later in the UK last year. If that was spent on credit cards, it would have it would have cost the nation something like seventy six million in in interest and fees alone. Wow. So it's like you know, as consumers, we shouldn't really have to be paying that. And you know, it's a very old school way, I guess, of of of, of the banks making money.
so maybe that's something we'll see as well. You know, you know, maybe the banks and 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 the sort of the old school credit cards will start to to come out with their own sort of versions of buy now pay later. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one on the um, yeah, as, as, as you say, that sort of interest and fees and that side of things. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about regulation there in, in terms of like the sort of pay later options and that thing. But what else needs to change in the payments payments industry? Do customers need more choice? Do we need to, or do we need to scale it back a bit? Um, what are some of the problems that you guess you see merchants facing in this kind of like I guess, new world of complex payments? Moish, I'll come to you first. What do you think? Well, there's so many questions in one there, Pete. <laughs> uh, it's again, I don't think it's I don't think it's the customers who necessarily need more choice. It's it's the um, the merchants need you know, as a payment service provider. We need to have uh, I mentioned this before. We need to have a lot more choice for our, for, our, for our merchants to be able to give in the markets where 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 it's relevant to them. Right. So um, you know. It, if they want multiple payment for you know kind of buy now pay later options in the UK, that's fine. We'll have it then. I mentioned before, you know, there's been seen some uplift, but it, I think it's more you know these merchants are coming to the market. You you've got you know merchants that you work with who are now finding out that hey they've got customers all over Europe and then beyond and the US and, and Asia, right? And and you know we've been in the Middle East for example for ten years. You know we've got all the local payment methods in Kuwait and Bahrain and Saudi. Um, so and that's a huge you know, kind of a consumer market which is really kind of booming so though know, as a as a psp we need to have the payment options on there for our merchants and then i think as a merchant you now need to start looking and realizing hey you know just because um you know my visa debit card is you know people like paying with that in the uk that's not how people pay in germany right so you need to find a payment provider who can do that um you know and and this is the complexity we talked about you know at the beginning right so um if you if you kind of had a payment provider you got for when you open your business bank account when you open your first shop right and it was a pretty simple thing you know using their online solution you know, don't necessarily help you for, for working with 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 kind of consumers all over the world right and with offering the choice and all the all the buy now pay later and it also then it's also then some of the other stuff right like the data um getting getting the reporting on some of the things like you know hey why why are these declines happening why is this random bank in I don't know Netherlands, you know, giving us worth worse auth rates, um, you know, and then being able to drill down, identify the problems, or hey, you know, I've got a, I've got a recurring payment, so we've got a customers who do a lot of recurring billing, and that's that's I mean, subscription models are huge now, really growing, um, and when you get the client data, you say, oh, how many of the clients are because of the insufficient funds? Let's move let's move the date from taking the payment on the twenty eighth and move it to like the second after they got paid. Hey, you know what? Like so, so getting hold of this data is 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 kind of uh, crucial um, in in the ecom world. Um, and I think then also then you know, merchants as they start looking at this, they'll realize you know changing providers and, and and there's certain things certain providers who can do who are built providers who are built for the ecom world can can achieve better auth rates, right? So if, if you got the customer all the way through, you sold them something, they loved your brand, they loved your advertising, came and got to the checkout and it failed, right? You know, if if, if you know, 10% fail and you can find a provider where only 8% are failing, that's the extra 2% of customers. Yeah. And that's a huge, that, you know, that's, that's a ton of money. I think we found like there was 20 billion across the US and UK and like about five major European markets, which was lost last year because of what's called soft declines. Where was the decline? Because of fraud reasons, they weren't sure and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think about, I can't remember, 12 or 14 billion um, 
they just went on, um, I don't know, I think it was 7 billion, then just was never came back, right? Because I'm online, I'm just going to go to a different website. Right? Yeah. It's not, it's not like, again, like a physical store where <laughs> this is the only thing I know this is where the item is, I can get it from anywhere. Um, so, so uh, you know, getting, you know, realizing the importance of the auto rates, realizing the data behind those declines, all that kind of stuff, and realizing the payment methods. Um, you know, th this is stuff which merchants are going to have to start being more and more aware of. Uh, and, and the last years, they moved online, they, they've, they've started to kind of realize this. It's an interesting point in the auth rates, and again, this is kind of maybe relevant to Rob here as well, but in Klarna, but if, I don't know, if I was a consumer and uh, I know I go and make a, try and make a payment and my card gets declined, or you know, it's, you know, it's a soft decline that you mentioned, chances are if I really want to buy it, I'll probably just try and find another payment option on the site, right? So maybe that's, again, where merchants, okay, then maybe the, the acquiring bank might lose out, or the actual payment game might lose out, but actually, for the customer, they've got other options there to use. Like, I might, if I fail with, you you know, with account, for example, I might go and use PayPal or whatever. Is that okay? Is that not the face? Well, we, I, I was going to say, sorry, Jumpy, we actually recommend that. So, like, we, we want to work with merchants. We'll give them data if it's declined because of insufficient funds. We'll actually, we work with merchants and say, look, if it's insufficient funds, you might want to then say, hey, do you want to take Klarna? <laughs> Because you know you might need to split this payment up to, to work, so you know that's uh, actually it complements one another. Mm. For us, you know, we, we obviously we're partners with Klarna, they, you know, they sit on our gateway, um, and and it, you know that data can complement, can really support the, the payment methods like you're suggesting there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, do you as 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 a you know, PSP, do you actually sit with your customers then and actually consult with them and make recommendations then about some things they should be offering them? Absolutely. Like, you know, for for kind of the, the bigger brands, you know, firstly, it's getting the data available, right? Um, I can't remember the stats off the top of my head. You know, there's X percentage of customers, even if they got the data, they weren't really given in a format where they could help understand it. Um, so, you know, then we'll sit down and work there and then, and then they can, you know, we've got specialist teams and payment optimization, you know, who'll do A-B testing and try out different transaction types and methods and me methods and flags. Um, so all, all that stuff is, is critical for, for an online merchant. They need this, you know, much greater support than, again, you know, a regular pause terminal in a shop, you know, not, which is complex in its own way, but it's it's, mm. it's not the same kind of thing. I guess even to make it simple is, is having all your, your settlements in one place, right? Like that, if you have got 10 payment methods in the UK and, and, and the same in, in multiple other countries, like that must just be a headache to, to manage if, you know, yeah, absolutely. If, yeah, if, if, if you have got all that stuff. So I guess you've got that sort of that aggregation that, that really helps as well. And the reporting and reconciliation. Can you imagine the finance teams are struggling there with like, you know, trying to track all the transactions where they were done. So yeah, you know, being able to consolidate the reporting for the merchants, it's, it's all critical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rob, in terms of the, the physical retails, you, you know, they've obviously got the pure plays online. But in mm -hmm. terms of the retails that are also, you know, online, offline stores, you know, physical retail stores, um, are they looking to kind of again, kind of do that kind of aggregation in terms of have, um, you know pay later options in store as well as online i know you guys were looking at this i've seen a, mm. bit, a murmuring of it what what's going on there is that something that merchants trying to use that a struggle for them to try and offer that again that joined up approach so yeah. is that something that more retailers are starting to roll out yeah definitely i mean that 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 omni channel piece that i think is is always going to be a, a tough nut to crack isn't it just in terms of, of of tying the two together and having a consistent journey across both but um you know we we saw new look for example went live in store last year Halfords have been offering us in in store for you know for for, for quite some time now. Um, we've got a couple of different routes to market in terms of our in store offering. So um, the merchant can can offer us via sort of uh, like a, a, a you know web sort of pause or integrated via via their own their own pause. Um, and I think as 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 the world starts to open up again now, I think we'll you know we'll probably see 
more of this sort of stuff. You know, it, it lends itself nicely to the fact that it's contactless. Um, if you are making an application for credit, you know, you I don't know, you're buying a bed or some furniture or something, rather than having to go and sit down in you know in the corner with a store manager and tell them about your whole life story you know you, you make an application on your phone it should be sorted within under sort of 60 seconds and 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 you're good to go so um yeah i think yeah the last 18 months has probably just delayed what should have happened or would have happened yeah. pre pre-pandemic um but yeah again it's 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 tying it all together i guess is the the complex part for for the retailers right yeah, we, we at Space 48, we're passionate about kind of like doing the whole Robin Shard, bringing the, kind of bringing the offline experience online, I guess, also yeah. vice versa. So for us, it's like it's really, really important that customers get, no matter where they're shopping, whether in the store or online, they get the same experience. Same, I mean, it used to be a thing. This is a thing. This is going back, going back how long I've been using the internet. But it used to be the thing where you get free or pay a different price in stores you do online. Like, like oh, that's just not. Right. My old place, we used, to, we used to trade in a slogan of internet prices in store. Like, but that's now not a thing anymore. That's just that's just. Exciting. I don't know. I, st- I still see that. I still. Really? I think, I, I think it's offered. <laughs> yeah, I still. I still go. I still go in and like to buy the kids a bike, and I like check the website. I'm like it's a bit cheap online. Oh, we can give you that price. Uh, <laughs> uh, I still a few of them. Uh, maybe, maybe it's the special offers they'll do online. Like so, the price is the same, but sometimes it's online promos. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to afford to play for Klarna. Maybe they keep the prices high in store so they can pay, pay for Klarna. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but no, it's interesting. Yeah, I, again, I don't see that much anymore. But again, we're, we're, again, we're pretty passionate about joining that, that joint of experience. So it's good to see, Rob, that you guys are rolling that out. Um, hopefully, like I say, it's probably just delayed. Like, like contactless and kind of like these, you know, payment methods have kind of like mm. cash has been much dead for the pandemic. I guess you just denied the inevitable happening in terms of those options being available. So yeah. it's yeah, interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Just want to flip back to online again. Again, most is probably more of a question for you. I'm only asking this because we're talking about payments and it's relevant. It would come up to kind of September. Um, obviously, for the merchants that don't know about this, 3D Secure 2 kind of comes into force officially in the UK in September. It's been around obviously for a long time, especially in Europe, I think from January this year. Um, what I'm just kind of conscious is like, what impact do you see 3DS2 having uh, on the buying journey for customers? I mean, from what you've seen of retailers and, and payment providers ready? Um, and what, what to kind of check out, what have been doing to kind of educate your customers and make that sort of 3D-esque journey sort of as seamless as possible? Yeah, no, cool. I think I think, I think it's been delayed again for September. Was it? Uh, yeah, I think so. But um, they, they, we've seen it adopted in different places uh, in Europe. Some of the banks have done it quite well. Um, yeah, obviously, we've, we've been on the front foot. We've kind of uh, got our 3DS 2.0 solution in place. You know, it's all for what's called strong customer authentication. Um, you know, it's going to vary by issue by issue or how they kind of take up uh, some of these things and and um, so kind of we're monitoring that rollout we're working very closely with uh, retailers as they do it obviously kind of we've we've been kind of reminding them of the regulation coming in so they've got to get compliant to kind of take advantage of the solutions that are out there you know there are things in place though which have um, which are kind of to, to reduce the friction on the customer journey so they've got um, you know exemptions uh, for kind of uh, lower value transactions, depending on the fraud rates, because um, we've got those in place. But it, you know, even then, you know, sending the flag to a, an issuer today, saying, hey, this, this transaction is exempt. You know, we're working closely with Visa and MasterCard as a scheme to understand, you know, are the issues even are the issues ready to kind of check this flag to know it doesn't need to be done? And sometimes sending it now when they're not ready is going to, you know, it's just a foreign you know, field filled in on the, on the transaction could, could be detrimental. So we kind of, we're, we're working very closely, kind of, um, we're, you know, testing it out, trying it and saying, okay, look, they're not ready yet. Let's, let's go without the exemption, you know, um, and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, on the whole, it should be relatively smooth. You know, um, 
you mentioned shouldn't feel it there's some positives obviously from a liability shift perspective perspective right mm-hmm. so you've got it in place and then the liabilities on the issue so a lot of merchants are looking are asking for it for from that there are some there are some merchants out there saying um especially in the fintech space you know what we're doing strong customer authentication like because because we're we're a financial services yeah. business so you know we've done two-factor authentication isn't that good enough so uh, again we're working with the schemes and certain things and trusted listings and and, and things like that um where you know, in the transaction message you say, look, this is a trusted merchant, or they've used a, a certified you know, two-factor method. Um, so you know, those are things which are now coming off on on the on the back besides uh, 3ds 2.0. So message out there, um, you know, it should be relatively painless. Good payment service providers will be working closely with the with the with the schemes, uh, understanding market by market and issue by issue where they're up to, uh, testing, improving that, and kind of only switching things on as the, as they go live. Obviously, that you know, your payment service provider should be providing you with, with the 3ds 2.0 uh, option, uh, which is out there. But um, yeah, on the yeah on the whole, the benefit to the merchants is, is great because it will uh, it will kind of shift the liability back to the back to the issuers. So. Um, it's it's fun times ahead, but it should it should be okay. We should we should be taking the pain out of it for merchants. It's just been I mean, am I thinking that I've already seen this rolled out in a number of like um, well PSBs and issuers already? Like I'm sure. It, so in terms of this, what what 3ds2 brings in or you know the SA in terms of it's like it's, it's the authorization of payment, right? So whether it's a text on your is it a text on your phone or whatever is that what we're talking about here for merchants that don't understand this? Yeah, yeah. For the for the big ones, the step up thing will be on, and like, and some issuers will take a, a very balanced view because again, they don't want to upset their cardholders. They might only do it every other, you know, every few transactions. They might only do it when it's a bit high, right? They're gonna, you know, they don't necessarily always step up and do the extra uh, authentication every single time. But yes, kind of the text message and, and stuff like that, you would have you'd have experienced in the in the UK. And I guess as a as a um, as a consumer, if you don't want the hassle of that, I guess like cloud is an option, right? As well, so there you go. Another another way around it for you, Rob. <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> again, it's probably getting that choice, isn't it? It's having those kind of backup options if need be as well. So, um, okay, cool. Um, I thought it was relevant to bring it up again. Maybe it has sure. been delayed, uh, but yeah, it's it's, 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 it's it's coming soon. Um, I guess the final question to end on then for both of you. Um, what what should kind of the retailers or the, again the merchants listening to this podcast um, be considering when they're kind of approaching payments either in the retail stores or physical or digital stores? You know, what's next for payments? What what are some of the things they should be thinking about in the future? Um, Rob, I'll come to you first. Um, I mean, I, I guess for for those who who do have retail stores, it you know it's it's thinking about bringing that online experience to your store, and um, you, you know, and, and as I say, then the, the complexity maybe comes around how how you tie the two together. But um, it's certainly something that you know that they need to be thinking about, um, especially with so many. I guess shopping journey starting online now, um, so I think that you know that that, that covers the, the sort of retail side of things. Um, the regulatory piece we've we've touched on, obviously that's coming. Um, you know, there's 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 no sort of there's no hiding from that. As I say, it's it's something we very much welcome and, and support. So um, yeah, we just have to wait and see what what happens what happens there. And then um, yeah, I, I think I think the other side is um credit cards as, as as we've touched on you know let's let's see what happens with 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 credit cards over the last over the next couple of years because um you know i feel like by now pay later starting to, to make indent in that and that'll only continue to to grow really mm, okay good shout um uh, moish i'm gonna ask the same question but i also want to get your thoughts on um rob you can chip in on as well as you want 
cryptocurrency, right? Is that is are we going to start seeing the next 12, 18 months? Are we still going to start paying by Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever the latest trend is? Take me out of the crypto conversation. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I still haven't got my okay, head around you- that. <laughs> <laughs> again in our retail report it was funny we had um consumer response i oh no i think it was retailer response like 49 percent or something said they they expect to be you know or looking to accept or something about accepting crypto for payments uh online on something next year and i thought that was very very high so i, I don't know if, if it's how the question's asked like would you accept it they kind of it's, yeah but uh, you know it's not it's not the i don't you know certainly with merchants coming to us i don't think anyone's kind of uh, there's not many kind of asking jumping up and down to say can we accept crypto for for purchases so um we you know we've had some data in report we said there does seem to be appetite and interest out there you know anecdotally from what i'm seeing you know it's it's not a huge demand um it's going to be an interesting space to take a lot of the crypto exchanges like uh, Coinbase and Crypto.com and all of these guys. They're issuing now Visa MasterCards where you can basically spend the, the cryptos in there. It's automatically converted at the, you know, by the exchange to, to, to that rate. So you, you can kind of spend them online anyway. Um, you know, do I, you know, as a merchant, what's the is there a massive benefit to say I'll accept crypto direct than via these methods? Have you seen any demand for it? No, I, I said for, what I have seen, no, it's not, it, it's a bit of, again, it's one of those subjects that people have, have started to have conversations around. We're actually going to record a podcast episode about this in a, in a few weeks' time, actually. But one thing I have noticed and why I brought this up, I don't know if you guys saw, but um, I, had a, I ate a lot of pizza and uh, Pizza Hut um, were actually offering cash back in crypto not so long ago i don't know if they're still doing it I don't know if they're just trialing it but no. yeah so like basically with pizza when you need to go buy pizza you get there's an option pops at the end or you know get cash back on this order or whatever mm. they started offering it in crypto which i thought was quite interesting which is why most i thought i'd bring it up and see if it's something that you guys have been asked for from at the checkout yeah, it's come up once or twice but it's um yeah, yeah a very small percentage um yeah but i think we have some partners we can recommend but it's uh um yeah, well, you know, let's wait and see on that one. But I guess, you know, to, to the other part of your question, that you know, what what do we need to be doing, and what do merchants uh, or businesses need to be looking at? You know, I was going to say number one was, you know, um, you know, a payment service provider or gateway that gives you the control and flexibility you need. So, you know, if you want if you want to plug crypto on there, you want to plug a Klarna or buy now pay later, you know, or it's it's like you know, I'm plugged into you know from 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 your world, I'm I'm on Magento, I'm on you know, Big Commerce, I'm on WooCommerce, right? Whichever whichever platform you want to do, you need you know you want your payment service provider to kind of be flexible to suit your needs as a merchant, not like well, you know, this is the way, this is the way we work. We only can, we have to have this third party gateway, and it's only plugged into these sites, and it and it only does this, and it's only got two options, and no Apple Pay or Google Pay or whatever it is. It's you know, um, there's there's some there's some clunky things out there. So uh, make sure you have a, a provider which can give you control and flexibility. Um, you know, also, hey, you're online now. Um, think you, know, you might want to explore expansion and new markets and coverage. You, know, you have a payment service provider who can give you maybe local acquiring in those markets, which can save you money, can give you better authorization rates, or give you the local payment methods, right? So, you know, again, that's important for merchants. Um, yeah, again, your, your merchants will be looking, as I mentioned before, for a payment service provider who can give them um, access to uh, and control of the data, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> find out what that data is, you know, why, you know, find that random bank which is which is kind of, um, you know, uh, 
declining all your transactions. And actually, we've built an automated issue outreach tool. So it actually goes and pings, you know, emails issuers directly. So we communicate with them or we can go via, you know, Visa MasterCard. But, um, you know, it's important to find, have the data, find it, deal with it. Um, I think now more and more, as, as you mentioned, right, do we work with merchants on, on that stuff? You're having a dedicated customer service team uh, is really, really, really critical. There's some, there's some great, um, payment service providers out there who when, when you kind of when you're small and you just got your little website and it's kind of you're trialing it as a side gig you know they're great to plug in and get going really fast um and hey if it takes off though and, and you, your business is booming right the, you know the, the, a lot of those businesses are built for self-service right um but I, I think as as you kind of your business takes off and you've got more complex needs um having kind of dedicated customer service you know people help you understand your data how you expand and work with you is, is critical uh and then and then lastly all the all the fees out there um, there are a lot of different fees uh, there. I think again, that getting transparency on that and a breakdown, you can discover. Hey, why have I been paying this fee, and what does that fee? And some of it's not even from your from the service providers, from the different uh, payment methods, or from you know Visa, Mastercard. I think we had some big merchants who, you know, we they were some tired to processing with us, and we gave them a fee breakdown. Like, what's this data integrity fee for Mastercard? I was like, well, this is the way you're submitting the transaction without these this little bit of info, and you know, it, therefore it gets a penalty from. <laughs> From the you know, for Mastercard, like oh yeah, and they realize money they could be saved. So, um, you know, lots of things for for merchants start. You know, now that they're maturing in, in ecom, uh, you know, and they can get really smart and intelligent about how they do that, how they grow, um, and you know, who's best to support them. Great. Well, we started off this episode asking why are payments so complicated. I don't think we've actually simplified it too much. I think we've already made it confused much with another. I don't know. But basically, I guess if you're if a merchant ever listened to this, two simple options, straightforward options is you want to check out checkout.com and Klarna. Together as a partnership, there you go. That's all you, that's pretty much all you need, right? Nice. Um, a so little, yeah. little bit of love. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like probably quite a good place to end the podcast. Um, listen, thank you to both my guests today. You've been great. Thanks for coming and showing you insight. Uh, it's, I could take, talk to you guys all night about payments, which is actually usually quite, quite a difficult thing to do, right, with being payments, but I feel like we could tonight. But really appreciate you taking the time out. Um, but thanks to you both. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Moish. Thanks, thanks Pete. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. But that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe if you like what you hear tonight um, so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you have missed any of the old episodes, make sure you go back and check them out. They're still really relevant and, and up to date. So go check them out. But for now, uh, take care, stay safe, and we'll catch you on the next one.